Real quickly, let's go to the book of Genesis. I'm so excited about what the Lord is doing in just a little bit. We're going to have a baptism at toward the very end, which we're not making light of that. It's just when they get wet, it's easier to do that time and let everybody go home from there. Uh, but I want to speak to you. I never intend, I really don't ever go into anything looking to make, uh, what do you call, uh, um, what do you call that when you, a message, a series, there you go. I don't ever do that, but sometimes the Lord won't release me uh, from that. But I want to speak to you again about increase. And so before I get started with you, I want you to understand that I'm not just talking about money. See, the first thing that happens when somebody starts, especially preachers, start talking about money or talking about increase, everybody immediately thinks money. Although money can play a great role in it. Let me give you a definition of what increase is. And I'm going to use a definition from the topical Bible. It, me it means to become greater or, more, or, or to become more or become more in size. It talks about quantity. It talks about number. It talks about the degree of something, the value, the intensity. It speaks of power, of authority. It speaks of reputation. It speaks of wealth. It means to advance. But nowhere did you ever hear me say in that simple definition that I gave to you that it means you're better than. Nowhere. But you can increase. And I believe that we are in a time of increase in every area of our lives with the Lord. And the reason I know that is because the kingdom of God is increasing in the earth. I want you to know that God delights in increase. You were never meant to stay where you are. One proof of that is when you were born. When you were just a baby, you weren't born. I'm, I'm a little over six feet tall. I weigh a little over 200 pounds. Y'all can tell that. And... Uh, but when I was born, I wasn't near this size. Not at all. And my mom says, thank God. And she's in heaven. But none of us were. See, you were made with increase in you. Not only increase of size, but increase in intellect. You used to just say, uh, goo goo gaga. But now some, some of you still talking that way, but many of you, no, just kidding. Many of you have increased and your knowledge is beyond what you could ever imagine. You used to didn't have anything, but now many of you can look back and say, only God could have blessed me in the way that I've been blessed to have what I have to do what I do. So increase is in the heart of God and increase is in every one of us in this room. And may I de declare to you this morning that I believe it is the will of God that, th that increase is a part of what we're doing right now. You know, in the book of Isaiah, he prophesied about the season that we're getting ready to celebrate called, called Christmas. And he said something like this in Isaiah chapter 9. I know I'm not following notes, D, so just work with me, all right? He said in the book of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 and 7, he said, For unto us a, son is, a child is born, a son is given, 
and the increase. Can you put that up there for me? There you go. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. In other words, for all of us in this room, if you think you've experienced everything that God has and God can do, and God is thinking that I got news for you, you are already deceived. Because there is no end. You know, we Pentecostal charismatics, we've experienced a whole lot in the Lord. I mean, we've had some real experiences and we live on experience. That's that I think that's one of the challenge for most of us because we live on experience instead of living a life that God intended for us to live. But the reality is no matter what I've seen, no matter what I've known, it doesn't even scratch the candle. It doesn't even scratch the surface to what God can do and what God has for us in the future. See, all through the Bible, increase is mentioned from Genesis to Revelation. Let me give you something else, so just hang on. Increase is referred to in, in, in the Scripture, especially in the, in the, in the Old Testament. It was... It was speaking about their livelihood. It was speaking about their livestock. It was speaking about the harvest. It was speaking about wealth. It, it was all a part of their life because increase is a part of our life. If you don't like increase, then I got a, I got a plan for you and I'll help you out. Write a check this morning, payable to Zach Strong, and write out to me everything that you have except a few dollars and y'all live in the decline and I'll take your increase. All right, who's willing to do that this morning? Nobody. Not a person in this room. But yet we will resist increase in our lives. We will resist the hand of God wanting to increase us in many ways. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7, I just read that to you. It speaks of an increase of government. In Isaiah 29 and verse 19, he said to the humble, he will increase our joy. In Isaiah 40 verse 29, he says something like this. To those who have no might, he increases strength. In the New Testament, let's walk there so you know I'm a New Testament preacher. And I believe in the work of the cross and what Jesus did for us. The increase of the word refers to spreading the gospel. Not just you knowing more, but the spreading of the gospel. It also spoke of the numerical growth of the church. Can you imagine this? Jesus said to one, he started out something like this. He said to two guys, two fishermen, follow me. The two went to 12. The 12 go and they win people. We go to the upper room. 3,000 are identified to come to Jesus at one moment. But you and I have to understand it wasn't just 3,000 because they only numbered the men of that day. So there could have been 15, 20, 25,000 people People that were born again on the day of Pentecost. Now we move from the twenty, from the three thousand. They go to Solomon's porch, and five thousand more, I believe the Scripture tells us, are are born again and added to the church. Now we go from the five thousand that we go into the multitudes. We go from the multitudes till we go to the cities. Everybody, say with me: God's in the increase. So we keep increasing. It also speaks about Christian maturity. It speaks about the knowledge of God. It speaks about the increase of the manifestation of God's love in and through our lives. 
I love this passage of scripture about Jesus in the book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. After Jesus, after he was 12 years old and he stayed back and his mom and dad had to come back to Jerusalem to find him. Mom grabs him by the ear after Jesus, or he speaks to Jesus like this. Hey boy, that's how my mom would talk to me. Zachary Bruce, what are you doing? She called when, it, when she said Zachary Bruce, it was bad. And especially if she came with her house shoe. And she let me have it with that a couple times. But she, Mary came to Jesus and said, son, what are you doing? Jesus looks at her and said, mom, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? And she looks at him and says, not today. Grabs him by the ear and says, you're going home with us. And then the Bible says in verse 52, I love what it says. And Jesus, everybody say this, and Jesus increased. Say it with me. And Jesus increased. He increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. Everybody say God's into increase. Now, I want to go back to Genesis 26 real quick. Get this jet up quick and get it down fast. We don't want to crash. We just want to bring it down slowly. Verse says in Genesis 26, verse 1, it says, There was a famine in the land besides the famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give this land. And I will perform the oath which I swore to, your, uh, to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give, you, give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed shall all the nation of the earth be blessed. Then look at verse 12 with me. It says, then Isaac sowed in that land and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. So he was prosperous in everything. Now I want to make something very clear. I believe this. I believe we're in a kingdom moment. And you're going to hear more people talking about kingdom advancement and being kingdom people. We're not talking about a piece of ground. We're talking about a life we live. But could mean that it will take over our land and the places that we live. Now for Israel, there was a land that God gave them. And God said, in that place... I'm going to bless you, Abram, and I'm going to make your name great. And you're going to be a blessing and all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed because of you. But for us New Testament believers, that land is in Christ. We are seated in him and it's Christ in us. And the kingdom of God is not here nor there, but the kingdom of God is where? Right in here. Look at your neighbor and say, you got the kingdom on the inside of you. So that means everywhere you go. So see, I know we got folks from New York. 
If they really wanted to be godly, they'd move this way. And get out of that six, seven feet snow up there. But they kind of like it up there. And if God was moving up there, this is what everybody up there said. Well, you guys, if you wanted to be godly, you need to come. You, you need to come to New York. You know, used to, if you wanted to find God, you'd have to go to Springfield. That's where the Assembly of God offices are. Or you'd have to go to Tulsa. That's where all the faith people are. Or you'd have to go here. And I hear everybody say, come to this place. Come to this place. This is where God is moving. And the reality is, it's not about the place. It's about the people in the place and God moving in and through them so wherever you go God can move I want to give you five principles real quick five facts about increase that you and I believe are a must that we must have to walk in here's the first one I think she's going to put them up on the screen the first one is this surrounding circumstances doesn't override the kingdom of God when the kingdom is in you, surrounding circumstances does not override the kingdom of God. Simply because of this fact. In Genesis, the Bible tells us, one and verse 1 and 2, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Bible said, And the earth was without form, and it was void. In the beginning, God and darkness, the Bible went on to say, covered the face of the water and the Holy Spirit was hovering over it. Then this is what God said. Let's read that again. I want to make sure you see this. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was over, was over the waters. And what was the next verse say? Let's look at it, Miss D. Go to, and God said, let there be light. Something supernatural happened. Darkness was dispelled. Because light always overcomes the darkness. If we shut all these lights down in these house, pull it down just for a moment if you can. Matt, just lower it just a bit for me. Just bring it down as much as you can. Don't turn them all off. Just pull it down just a bit. And no matter how dark it gets, I got light in here. And no matter how much we shut it up, as long as we got light, these lights always overcome the darkness. So the reality is, God said, now you can bring it back up because some of them are writing. They need to take notes. The Bible declares this, that God said, let there be light. Let's make it a New Testament principle because he started out in the book of Matthew after he called those two, then the twelve, took them to a mountain and spoke to them. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, the first thing that he said to them is this, you are the light of the world. Wait a minute, he didn't say light was coming. He didn't say you're carrying a light. He said you are the light. Now, everywhere you go, darkness cannot stay in its rightful position as long as you and I will step into that place and be the light that God has intended for us to be. Come on. In the book of John, chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible said this, that darkness could not overcome the world. 
And the light shines in darkness. Talking about Jesus. And the light shines in darkness. And the darkness couldn't comprehend it. Another translation of that word comprehend means there. That darkness could not overtake it. So here's the issue. Our problem is not what's out here. Our problem is what we've got going on in here. Come on somebody. Outer circumstances cannot override the kingdom. Now, they may war against it. They may fight against it. They may press against it. But they'll never be victorious over God's people, over the kingdom of God. Here's the second, here's the second fact that you've got to have. Sowing and reaping is a must. Sowing and reaping. It's how man was intended to live. Believe it or not, before you showed up, you were in a seed. Everybody in this room, you were a little bitty seed. And look at you now. Because that's how God designed everything to function was through sowing and reaping. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, the word says, As God was creating creation, putting the trees and everything, this is what he said. Whose seed is in itself, that it bears according to its kind. I want to satisfy something this morning for you highly intellectual people. What came first? The chicken or the egg? Let's settle it. Age-old problem. What came first, the chicken or the egg? The chicken. And it is to reproduce after its kind. You are called to reproduce after your kind. Question is, you've got to ask yourself, what kind am I? Because a lot of times our offspring, our children, are only products of how they're watching us and what we are. So mom and dad, it may pay you very close attention. It may cause, cause you to pay close attention to how you are living your life. Genesis 1, 28, when God created man in his image and likeness, he made him male and female. And the Bible said, and God blessed him and said, be fruitful and multiply or increase. What did he say? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over all the earth. Notice that word be up there. I brought this out to you last week. That's the same word that God spoke when God said, let there be light. It's the very same thing. When God said it, listen, when you don't think you're fruitful, you have bought into the lie of the enemy. And by faith, you and I need to declare, I am fruitful in every area of my life. I'm fruitful in health. I'm fruitful in wealth. I'm fruitful in peace and joy and love. Come on. We need to be declaring what God said about us. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're fruitful. Genesis chapter 6, God is going to wipe out the earth because he saw that the hearts of men have become continuously evil. You know the story that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God speaks to Noah and said, Noah, build me an ark. So God caused a great flood to come upon the earth after he had put, listen, 
a number of family, eight of them, and then a number of animals on the ark. But not only animals, there was seed in that ark as well. So the whole ark was really about preserving the seed. Our Savior, believe it or not, was in that ark because the plan of God was, was being fulfilled from the very beginning. But then after the waters receded or went down, God speaks to Noah. And in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, put it up there for me, Miss D. Genesis 8, verse 22. It says, while the earth remains. Uh, while the earth remains. While the earth remains. Is it still going? While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat. Winter and summer, now he's talking about seasons of life. Winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. Notice he put the value of importance upon the first. It's a mention, it's the law of first mention. And the rule is this, that seed time and harvest is far greater than your season. Because sometime to get through your season, you need to be sowing to get out of it. That's a message for another day. And when he's talking, there's seasons. And when he's talking about day and night, listen, there's going to be moments, day and night, we, we think about it like this. We think about the day and the light. You know, the Bible says something like this, work while it is day. And, and you know, in the night, what are you, you're oblivious to everything going on. I, I believe there's moments of time. God, it's in almost every day that there's times that you will know things and there'll be times that you'll be left in the dark a little bit to have faith to follow God. Although he speaks to us. That's why we need to understand about prophecy. See, I don't want you just to take and run with what I just said. You need to ponder that. Okay? And, and then, because I, I, I know you're connected to these two. I, I, I would I have them, me and him talk this way all the time. Ha, have them, hey, was that from God or was that just Zach, you know, full of himself in the morning? Because Zach can be full of himself if y'all haven't figured that out. Well, you can too, so let's just... Satisfied, all right? But we need to understand why. Because the Bible said we only prophesy in part. I don't care who's prophesying. Uh, one of my favorite prophets of all time was Kim Clements. He was a part of our life and in our church for numbers of years. And people like Jan Painter and we can name others. But the reality is they didn't see everything. They only prophesied in part. That's why things happen. Well, 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 what's happening? We got the part we liked or the part we heard, but there were some things that God said, I'm just going to have, have you trust me. Just keep focused on me. I'm going to take you through this moment. But he said, while the earth remains. John 12, 24 said, except a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. I saw something the other day. I wish I had a picture of it, and I didn't take the time to pull it up. Because sometimes we don't value our sowing, and we take it so lightly. There was a guy, many's ever seen the sequoia trees out west. You know, those massive. I mean, they grow way up there. And some of them, no doubt, the trunk base is probably like the front of this platform, if not bigger. And their root system is incredibly deep and wide. So some guy several years ago had some sequoia seed. 
Now, compared to the tree, the seed was extremely small. So he decides, I don't think this thing will grow in my region. So he takes the seed and plants it in his front yard. And you know what happens? It grows. And the picture, true story. The picture shows this towering tree in a neighborhood like you and I live in. And he's got this tree that's covering up all of his front yard. But not only did it cover up his front yard, it tore out all of the plumbing of the city in that area. And not only did it tear up the plumbing of the city in that area, it tore up everybody's irrigation systems in their lawn. And not only did it tear that up, but it literally messed up the foundations of several houses that were in proximity to where the tree is. Simply because a guy takes a small seed, doesn't believe in what he has, he puts it in the ground, not expecting anything to happen. See, that's the way it is. We talk seed and all you think about is somebody getting rich and God is actually trying to get his blessings into your life. My title this morning is Increase. It just doesn't happen. Sowing and reaping. They that, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. You know, churches, we want to see God move, but how much are we really sowing, investing into it? Listen, I'm not just talking about prayer. I'm talking about our lives. See, I don't know that we're really ready for what we want. Everybody thinks they do. But I don't think we're really ready because it's going to mess you up. It might mean if the harvest really came in, you're not going to have a seat no more. It may mean that you won't be able to get in the door. It may mean that you're going to have to get dirty and you're going to have to hear a crying baby. Did you ever get on an airplane and go somewhere? We have. And the people behind you got 14 little kids in three seats. Come on. Before the flight's ever taken off, you're saying, boy, this is going to be fun. So it is in the things of the kingdom. When it starts coming in, you got to remember, a lot of the harvest hasn't seen what you've seen. They've not been where you've been. My, my, my poor dad that's with the Lord, I loved him dearly. He took care of our house there in Paducah when we, when we pastored there. And I remember we had just built a new facility that we moved into. And it was right next to one of the most notorious housing projects in the city. And we had a mixed congregation. It wouldn't matter if they would black, white, red, yellow, purple, Hispanic. Asian, whatever. They were all coming to our house. And you know what? They were just street kids, some of them. And I remember one day my dad come in. He was hot. He walked into my office. Those kids, you have to understand, my dad was probably up in the late 70s, early 80s. Those kids, those youngins, I don't know what we're going to do. Because he would go into the bathroom and they had taken rolls of toilet paper and stuff down and, you know, into the toilet and everything else. And I just had to settle him down. I said, Dad, it's going to be okay. Going to be okay. You mean that's what we can expect? Not necessarily. But something like that may happen. Hello, it may happen. Because especially in our culture, they've not been trained even at home. Okay? 
So, so it could be. I, I'm just telling you, we all think we're ready for this great thing that's going to come in. And some of you are not prepared to even begin to minister. And you're wore out. Oh, these people are so needy. Well, the reality was you were needy one day. You needed a Savior. And matter of fact, Jesus said we had to take care of them. We've got to train them. We've got to equip them. We've got to show them how to live like believers, followers of Jesus. All right, I better get off that. You're going to hurt me. Galatians 6, 7 says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Listen to what he said. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. May I, may I declare something to you this morning, whether you believe it or not. You're either so, you are either sowing into your increase or you are sowing into your feet. There is no middle ground. There is none. There's no middle ground. You're going one way or the other. Paul went on to say it like this. He said either you're sowing to your flesh or you're sowing to the Spirit. Now i got to ask some of you. Some of you have lived like this, you know. I, I, how, what's that old saying is... Uh, our, our wild oaks, you know, we're reaping the wild oats of... Anybody ever sold any wild oats in this place? A few of you are honest, shaking your head. We probably all have to some degree. And then we got to look, we sowed to our flesh instead of trusting God. And most of us have lived, have wound up in defeat and despair and hopelessness and everything else under the sun. Where did that get us? Because I just didn't think I was, but every one of us are sowing into something. You can sow your way right into poverty. And you don't even realize you're doing it. And poverty is far more than just having money or less money. It's a mindset that you get in that you will never get out of. Unless God delivers you and sets you free. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Let me give you the third principle real quick. Got to get this down. He had to put his hands to something. So my question for you, what are you putting your hands to? See, we've become a culture and a society that says I'm entitled to everything. That's not a biblical principle. That's not even kingdom. That's not even the word of God. That I can sit back and expect somebody to bring me food, somebody to bring me clothes, somebody to give to me housing. Somebody God never intended that. I've got a lot of great scholars in the room and I think every one of them would agree with me. But you've got to put your hand to something. Even the ministry. I want God to use me. Okay? Start serving. And most time when you're asked to do that, then we hear that, well, that's not my call. Hello, that's not my call, but I want ministry. Uh, or, or, or we feel like, this, well, pa Pastor, I feel like I got a word in me. Okay, who are you sharing it with? Well, I'm waiting for you to give me the Sunday morning. Sorry. Sorry, ain't going to happen. But I can give you a number of people that are waiting for you to release that word. If you will share it. What are we putting our hand to? Same thing financially. What are we putting our hand to? 
What about our health? The same thing. We could hit every area of our life, even our marriages, our home. What are we putting our hand to? Hello? He said, I'll bless the labor of your hand. Remember, Isaac is sowing in the midst of a famine, a double famine, where there's scarceness, where things are hard, where things are rough. There's nothing. In the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, after God created man, he made this beautiful garden for him. And then he put him there. And this is what the Bible says in verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. This is your responsibility, another translation says, to guide, guard, and govern the, uh, the garden. He had to work it. He had to keep the weeds out. He had to make sure that everything was working. He had to sow the seed because he was given a world vision. Adam, you got to go do this. He said to Noah, you heard me talk about the ark while ago. Genesis 6, 14, he said, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. You know how long it took to build that ark? 120 years. Now, I don't know why it took so long. He didn't have a chainsaw. He didn't have a new battery, cordless battery pack of tools. He didn't have everything that we, I don't know, maybe he had to grow the whole, maybe he had to grow a whole field of gopher, whatever a gopher tree is, a gopher wood. Y'all might know, so I'll show my ignorance here. He had, may have to grow all these trees. And he had to tend to them and then cut them by hand. Maybe he had a couple of lazy boys. Maybe he, had to, maybe he had to fight against the resistance of everybody around him. But the only way he was going to be spared in his life, you build the boat, then I'll make sure that it floats. So 120 years, Noah worked on the boat. Isaac sowed in the midst of famine. He had to go out there in that hard, dry ground, Larry, where there's been no water. And he had to fight through his thinking. And he had to break up that ground. And sow that seed. He didn't have tractors like Mr. Jerry and, and, and Mike back there. They got all these air-conditioned tractors making look like farming is rough. Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. Stereo. All this stuff in them. All that poor old Isaac had was a was an oxen, possibly a one-row plow. And here, come on, boy, let's go. I remember how my pop used to, used to break up ground with his mule. Her name was Kate. And we'd get behind when pop really wanted to break the clods up. He had this, I don't know what it was called, but he had this big old square, looked like sled. And he called all the grand boys to come. Hey, come get on this thing. And we would be the wait for the sled or whatever it was to go. And then, Pop, we had, an old, we had an old pond out there. And after we were covered up with dust, he'd strip us all naked and throw us in the pond. And clean up that way. But Isaac is sowing in the midst of famine. In the book of Exodus chapter 25, God said, I want to come dwell among my people. But he speaks to Moses and said, let the people bring me an offering and let them build me a sanctuary. What are we building for the Lord? What do we put our hand to for Him? Deuteronomy 28, the commandment of the Lord. We love the promises there. And I'm just about to get this jet down. The Lord will command His blessing upon your storehouses 
and all that you put your hand to. And he will bless you in the land of which the Lord is giving you. Let's bring it into a New Testament principle because he said in, in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28, it said, let him that steals, steal no more. Hope we don't have any thieves in the house. But he said, let him steal no more, but let him labor working with his hands that thing which is good. You read the story of Ruth. I'll go back in Old Testament principle. God was going to take care of Ruth through, uh, what was his name? Boaz, right? And he gave command to his servants as they were, as they were harvesting wheat. It's at a time of harvest he's taking care of her. He said, leave the corners. Am I right? Leave the corners. I'm going to take care of Ruth. But you leave the corner. But Ruth still had to walk into that field and take her apron. And she had to pick up those ears of corn and put in her apron and carry them back to their house. Even though it was the blessing of God and of Boaz upon her life. Here's the fourth principle. You got to water your seed. I believe that's up there. Number four, is that right? Yeah. You've got to water your seed. As many times as I read that story, I've, I've looked and thought, wow, how did that grow? That was supernatural. But here's what Isaac did. He went back and redug the wells of his father. In the book of Genesis chapter 2, in that garden, there were four rivers that ran from it. There was the Pishon, which means increase. The Gihon, which means breakthrough. Hydekel, which means light. The Euphrates, that means fruitful. In the, book of, in the book of Ezekiel, we all love this passage out of Ezekiel. Coming from the throne of God or out from under the throne is a great river. And it flowed and it went down into the land. And along the banks of that river were the, were the trees. And in the trees were the healing of the nations, I believe is what the, I think is what the scripture talks. But how were the trees, the healing of the nation? It was because of the water that was flowing. Psalms 1-3, the blessed man, starts out, biggest book of the Bible, the center of the Bible, the blessed man. He is like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and all that he does prosper. See, if you don't water your seed, if you don't get the water to the seed... Well, what about a New Testament principle? 1 Corinthians 3, uh, Paul talking to the church. He said, one plants and another one waters, but it's God that gives the increase. John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus speaking, if anyone is thirsty, let him come and drink. And out of him shall flow rivers of living water. Where am I going to get the water from? It's in you. So how do I release the water? By faith-filled words, I'm declaring over that which I have planted. Faith-filled words, words filled with spirit. Not only that, but praying in the spirit, praying with my understanding, praying within the spirit and in the Holy Ghost, watching, watching, pouring over the seeds that I planted. You need to be declaring, even all of you, I'm blessed, I'm prosperous, I'm healthy, I'm whole. I expect a full harvest over every seed that I planted. 
Come on, you need to expect it. You need to declare that. You need to say it. Most of us are, are not watering. We're not saying anything. And we think that we're helping. We're not. You need to water your garden. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to water your garden. And I'm done right here. Worship team, make your way back. Make your way up here, worship team. I'm going to need your help. Here's the last point. Here's the fifth fact that you need to know. If you're going to live and increase, you're going to have to be determined that you're going to follow Jesus. That is not an option. Everything that God intended from Genesis to Revelation was that mankind would follow him. Adam was blessed beyond measure until Adam decided he's going to do his own thing. And then God spoke to him in the midst of the curse as he cursed the serpent. And he cursed, the Bible said, the earth is cursed, or, or the ground is cursed for your sake. And he looks at the man and he said, now, thorns and thistles it's going to bring to you. When you could have had lushness, now you're going to get pricked every time you turn around. You're going to draw from thorns. And you're going to draw from thistles. You're going to have to go in. The other day I was doing some work around uh, around the place cleaning up some stuff in the woods I didn't realize there was a big thorn bush in it and man that thing got me everywhere y'all tell I got a little scar here got them on my legs and it went pierced through my pants got it up my arms went through my gloves he said this is what's going to happen you got to have a determination that you're going to follow Jesus oh I love quoting Deuteronomy 28 I do it just about every every day and every every time we take an offering but it starts out like this if you will obey me and follow my commandments Isaiah started out something like this it's the willing and obedient that eat the good of the land you got to have a resolve a determination no matter what this world system looks like I'm going to follow Jesus we might be challenged more than we believe in the days to come if our world keeps going like it is. With a bill that was passed, I don't know if it's fully through yet, but if it would go through the Marriage, the marriage Protection Act, I think is what they call it, something to that effect, which would protect same-sex marriage. The LGTBQ is what's back that thing to the hilt. And you and I thought that it was a good, we just want everybody to be happy. Well, you can't be happy when you oppose God's laws. But this is the challenge. It has an agenda behind it. I'll shut down your religious system. I'll come in. I'll take away your tax exemptions, your 501s. I'll pull it all out. If you teach against this, if you preach any other thing against this marriage act, they can come in and literally pull that away. Well, Pastor, it's all right, isn't it? It'll have more an effect on you than what you think. Because right now, a lot of people give because you can use your giving as a tax write-off at the end of the year. A few days, my wife will be putting that out right after the first of the year, and you're going to see what you're giving. And then you're going to be challenged. Uh-oh, I'm not going to be able to use this no more. Am I going to believe God in the midst of that? Just a simple thing. You brought it up the other night. 
But we're going to see who's going to obey God. Whether I, whether I get a piece of paper that I can use to gain me something. Am I going to be obedient to the Lord, Kelsey? No matter what, no matter what the world does, people can think I'm foolish because I'm giving. I'm sharing my life. I'm giving. I give what I have away. I give my, I give my heart. I give encouragement. I, everybody can think you're nuts. But are you going to follow God? Are you going to be obedient to his laws and to his ways? Are you going to fall to this world system? Jesus, pastor, you said something the other night. Pastor Val did. I think it was, yeah, it was Wednesday night. You said something to this effect. Really caught my ear. You said, God taught us more about living than going to heaven. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because most people just try to get to heaven. I heard somebody teaching the other day, and I'd never heard this, didn't think about this. This is how we even witness. You need to get saved so you can go to heaven. Or you need to get saved so you can miss hell. Do you know where that philosophy came from? Well, it's scriptural, isn't it? Well, if you really follow what Jesus said, he said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. So you are trying, you and I are trying to get what God wants to do in you right here. So it came way back there during the Black Plague. When millions of people were dying. We thought this little pandemic was taking people out. Millions of people were dying. I mean constantly. And it became so rapid that that's how they would witness. Are you ready to go to heaven? Are you ready to go to heaven? So it began to be adapted. Now, but it also happened in the days of the slaves. When they're working the fields and they're pulling cotton by hand. And they had an unrighteous master over them that was beating their back and smiting them. The only hope they had, they will never get out of this cotton patch. They will never get away from that whip unless I get to heaven. So they begin to sing the old spiritual songs that would go something like this. Sweet low, sweet chariot coming for to carry me home. Because their only hope was that that chariot the reality is there's only one picture in the Bible where a chariot came and got anybody. A chariot didn't even come and get Jesus. But see, we adapted to something we didn't even know why we adapted to it. And so while we're trying to get out of here, we're missing living out the word of God. And Jesus taught us about living. And then he says to all of my friends that are addicted. And that could be every one of us in this room addicted to something. I know you won't want to believe that, but it's true. Do you know what he said? The only thing that will set you free is truth. The truth will set you free. And it will keep you free. Scripture declares this, and I'm, I'm done. 
if you and I will work the word, I promise you, in assurance of God's character, I didn't say it. I can say that because God put everything on the line at his word. When he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. If you will work the word, the word will surely work for you.